Well, the world is a complex place, and uh, if you look at streaming service options or apps that are out there on your phone, it seems to be getting more and more complex and more and more complicated each and every day. Uh, take a few moments with me this morning on the Lord's Day and consider something very important. I want you to consider the proliferation of Oreos and milk. That's right, we're gonna talk about a serious topic this morning, the proliferation of Oreos and milk. And hey, I just wanna let you know, when I was a kid, if someone went to the store to get Oreos and milk, it was a relatively easy trip. I mean, you went to the local grocery store and you basically had two options for milk and two options for Oreos. When it came to milk, you could get a whole milk or you could get some reduced fat version. And when it came to Oreos, you know the answer. There were regular Oreos or there were what kind of Oreos? Double stuff. That was it. Getting Oreos and milk was neat, it was easy, it was clean, and it was pain-free. But now if somebody sends you to the store and they ask you, hey, pick up some Oreos and pick up some milk, your knees might begin to knock as you're pulling into that parking space headed into that grocery store. When you head to that dairy aisle and you see all these different options, can it just be overwhelming? I mean, what do I choose? Do I get whole milk, 2%, 1%, skim? Should I get organic milk or non-organic? It's more expensive and I'm a cheapskate, so does it matter enough to spring for it or not? Maybe I should get coconut milk or how about almond milk? That's a popular option, but if you land on almond milk, then you have to ask yourself, well, do I want vanilla almond milk or unflavored almond milk? Do I want sweetened almond milk or unsweetened almond milk? And you know, lately I've heard some good things about soy milk and even oat milk, or perhaps you're like Pastor Rex, this is a true story, and your preference is flaxseed milk. But whatever your milk preference may be, once you have selected your milk, you're only halfway home because then, then we head over to the cookie aisle. And the first question we must ask ourselves is not even what kind of Oreo, but what size Oreo do I want? Do I want regular or double stuff or most stuffed? Maybe I'm watching my weight, so I'm gonna opt for the Oreo thins or those cute little mini Oreos. But once you've picked a size, then the real fun begins. Do you get regular Oreos, vanilla Oreos, or strawberry Oreos? Do you choose lemon Oreos, mocha Oreos, or mint-filled Oreos? Hey, maybe you're a peanut butter Oreo kind of person, or perhaps, just perhaps, you prefer carrot cake Oreos. And let me just say, out of all the options, if you choose carrot cake Oreos, you really need to rethink your decision-making process <laughs> because something is clearly off. But all joking aside, when you think about something like Oreos and milk, something that is totally inconsequential, it's really amazing to think about how complex and complicated and frustrating the world can be. And if something as unimportant as Oreos and milk can be this complicated, how on earth should I feel confident about decision-making, thinking, analyzing, and just understanding those things in life that actually do matter? Do you happen to recall the first time you ever went to Times Square? I know I do. The first time I went to Times Square, I was absolutely blown away by just the sheer volume of people there. This huge multitude was just sort of spilling out into the streets and in the intersections, headed in every direction. 
And I kind of just froze and stared at this multitude. I saw all these different nationalities and heard these accents. I saw these different hairstyles and clothing styles, different body shapes. I saw these different cultures and subcultures and different worldviews and lifestyles represented by this huge crowd. And the analytical part of me took a moment and wondered, would it even be possible to sift through all these different kinds of lifestyles there are in the world and make some sense of them? Well, Albert Einstein once said, the mark of a genius is taking the complex and making it simple. And when it comes to that, Jesus is an absolute master. I mean, routinely in the gospels, Jesus takes big, lofty, complicated ideas and he teaches them with such clarity and simplicity that even children can understand the truth that he is communicating. So today, let's allow Jesus to do that for us as we consider all the different lifestyles represented by the billions and billions of people in the world. Let's allow the genius of Christ through his teaching to help us make sense of it all. And we're gonna do that, if you haven't already done so, by turning to Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, verse 14. In contrast, however, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Here we see Jesus taking the complex and making it simple. Picture that multitude in Times Square or the billions of people all around the world and there's seemingly countless lifestyles out there. Jesus here in his teaching though says, while the trappings may be a little bit different, there may be some subtle little nuances among the different lifestyles out there. Ultimately, according to Jesus, at the end of the day, there are two and only two lifestyles that you can choose. There aren't millions, there aren't thousands, there aren't even hundreds. There are two, and every single one of us is on one of those two paths right now. It's as if we've come to a fork in the road and we can go to the right or we can go to the left, but Jesus makes it clear there are two and only two lifestyles. And he describes the first lifestyle in verse 13 in three ways. The first lifestyle option that you can choose today, and my suspicion is most of you have already chosen it, is described in verse 13 as being wide, easy, and popular. Verse 13, the first path, the first way, Jesus says, has a wide gate, the way is easy, and those who enter by it are many. Now, over the past few weeks, as I've been thinking about these two verses in Matthew chapter seven, I've been asking myself, well, how can I import the truth of what Christ is teaching into my life in 2021? How can I take 
the essence of what Christ is saying and bring it into my day-to-day life to help it really land with me, to help me wrap my mind around it. So I've been asking myself this question, what in our world, in our lives, could be described as wide and easy and popular? And then it struck me, a cruise ship. I mean, cruise ships are certainly wide, are they not? I mean, some can be 10 stories tall. They can be 1,000 feet long. If you've ever seen a cruise ship or been on one, it's impressive how massive and wide some of these cruise ships can be. Second, cruise ships are easy. I mean, after all, isn't that the whole point of a cruise ship? To be comfortable, to be pampered, to have fun, entertainment, leisure. In fact, we even use the term cruise to describe some effortless endeavor in life. I'm cruising to a victory. Cruise ships are easy. And third and finally, as we read in verse 13, those who find it or those who choose it are many. Cruise ships, at least when there's not a pandemic, are wildly popular. I mean, year after year, cruise ships book out months, sometimes years in advance, And literally, millions of people around the world spend their hard-earned money each and every year to go on a cruise. So this morning, as we really explore those three descriptions Jesus gives us for this first path, this first lifestyle, let's think of it in terms of a cruise ship. And again, I wanna draw your attention to verse 13 and ask you to notice, he says, this first lifestyle, the cruise ship, if you will, is wide. Now, I have a question for you. For those of you that are joining us online, love for you to interact in the chat. And for those of you that are here with us in the sanctuary at Latham, maybe we'll do a show of hands here. How many people here own a king-sized bed? Show of hands. Okay, that is several of you. Nikki and I, although we're not very big people, we've had a king-sized bed for some years now, and we love it. But listen, if you don't own a king-sized bed, Don't feel like you're missing out because this is the truth of the matter. King-size beds are both a blessing and a curse. You see, if you're used to sleeping in a king-size bed and you travel to see friends or family and in their hospitality, they open up the guest room to you, maybe this is just my family, but I doubt it, it seems pretty infrequent that the guest room that family offers up has a king-size bed. I mean, if you're lucky, it's a double bed, but even a double bed, if Nikki and I are trying to sleep, it's like sharing a cot. It's like you're sleeping on a toothpick. Every time she moves, it wakes me up. She steals the covers. Confession's good for the soul. I'm gonna confess on her behalf. Every time I move, it wakes her up. And while I appreciate the hospitality of my friends and family, if you're used to sleeping in a king-size bed and you go to a you know, double-size bed, you know how cramped and restrictive that can feel. If you own a king-size bed, you also know how good it feels when you finally get back home and you get to have that first night's rest back in the king-size bed. I mean, that king-size bed is roomy, it's spacious, it's wide, and it's comfortable. And you know, Jesus says this first lifestyle in verse 13, he describes it in the exact same terms Talking about this first lifestyle, we can choose the cruise ship. Jesus says, it is wide. I mean, 
There's tons of storage. You can bring all of your creature comforts, all your prized possessions, all your stuff, all your junk. Hoarders, you are welcome on the cruise. We have ample storage, and not only can you bring whatever you want, you can bring whoever you want. You can bring crowds of people with you. You can bring whatever relationship you have in your life, no matter how toxic or dysfunctional, because after all, cruise ships are wide. And as John Stott said, there's seemingly no limitation to the amount of luggage you can carry with you if you choose the first path, the first lifestyle, the cruise ship. No need to leave anything behind. No need to forsake anything. You just can bring whatever your heart desires if you opt for the cruise ship. Jesus goes on to explain in verse 13, not only is this first lifestyle wide, he goes on to say that cruise ships are easy. I mean, again, that's the whole point of a cruise ship is to relax, to decompress, to have a good time. What happens on the cruise ship stays on the cruise ship, you know, that kind of a thing. Just take it easy. Do whatever comes natural, whatever feels comfortable. Don't try and expend any effort or do anything that's hard or difficult. Just do whatever you want and take it easy on the cruise ship. Do you guys remember those Staples Easy Button commercials? I don't know if they still run them, but they ran them for years where you're faced with some common annoyance in day-to-day -day life, and Staples has the easy button. You just hit the easy button, and then everything is instantaneously fixed, and you have a wrinkle-free life thanks to Staples. Well, Jesus is saying this first lifestyle, the cruise ship in verse 13, is one giant easy button. You do whatever comes natural, whatever comes easy when you're on the cruise ship. You know, if you're on the cruise ship and your sexual appetite begins to kind of swell up, no need to do anything like try and control yourself. Don't try and do anything restrictive or difficult. You don't need to try and conjure up any self-control when you're on the cruise ship. You do whatever you want when it comes to expressing your sexuality. It's kind of like going to the bathroom. You do it wherever, whenever, however, with whoever. Do whatever is easy on the cruise ship. Don't try and restrict or restrain yourself or rein anything in. Simply hop on over to the Lido deck and we have many tan and fit men and women that I'm sure will be to your liking. Talking about easy, how do you pass your time and spend your money on a cruise ship? Well, when you're on the cruise ship, you just do whatever is easy. If you choose this first lifestyle, basically your aim in life is pleasure, comfort, and your own happiness. And you do with your time and your money whatever you want, whatever comes natural, whatever is easy. If you're wondering how to spend your days on the cruise ship, maybe you can just hop onto the lazy river and float for a few hours and just take it easy. Maybe you're feeling a little tense, a little stiff from the flight to get to the cruise ship. Hey, why don't you have a massage and relax? 
Maybe that hair of the dog didn't quite do the trick, so you need to sleep the day away to feel a little bit better. Well, hey, just sleep the day away on the cruise ship. Or maybe you just don't know what to do and none of that sounds all that intriguing, so you just go binge watch The Office for the 10 millionth time in your room. Bottom line, when you're on the cruise ship, just do whatever is easy. That's how you should spend your time and money. Don't be worried about productivity or management or budgets or spreadsheets. Just do what's comfortable and easy. Or maybe when you're on the cruise ship, you begin to feel a little bored. Things seem a little dull. Or perhaps when you're on the cruise ship, you start to feel the weight of some anxiety and worries kind of worming their way into your brain. And you're worried that maybe when you get back home, maybe you'll just be the next person to be laid off at your office. Well, hey, this is a cruise ship. This is all about doing what's easy. Don't walk around having to endure something as trying as boredom. Uh, Don't walk around with the mental weight of dealing with fear or anxiety. No, just hop on over to the poolside tiki bar and have a couple dozen Bahama Mamas and let the alcohol ease your mind. At the end of the day, it's important to remember this first lifestyle in verse 13, the cruise ship, it's easy by design. So do whatever you want, make yourself comfortable, take it easy if you choose the first path because after all, it is a cruise ship. Now at this point, you may be wondering, well, what kinds of people are on the cruise ship? You know, who am I gonna be bumping into poolside? Who might I be playing blackjack beside? Who might I be seated beside at those awkward formal dinners that cruise ships force you to socialize with other people on? Introvert confession there, maybe it only applies to me, but who am I gonna be around? Who's on the cruise ship with me? What are these fellow passengers gonna be like? What's the makeup, what's the profile of those who are on the cruise ship? And Jesus answers that in verse 13, verse 13. Jesus says, those that are on the cruise ship, those who enter by this first path, this first lifestyle, are many. In other words, this first lifestyle option is wildly, wildly popular. You see, on the cruise ship, there's conservatives and liberals. You see, on the cruise ship, there's straight people and gay people. You see, on the cruise ship, we have both white-collar and blue-collar people. There's high-status individuals, and you're more salt-of-the-earth folks. In fact, we even have religious and non-religious people on the cruise ship, on this first path, on this first lifestyle. This cruise ship is popular. It's inclusive. And on it, there are people from every walk of life. Now, at this point, I kind of have to say, this first lifestyle sounding pretty good. I mean, can we just be honest about it? This first lifestyle sounds like a good fit. You don't need a bunch of advertising or marketing. It sells itself. Who does not want that which is easy, which is wide, and which is popular? And honestly, if I'm gonna tip my hand just a little bit here, I'm gonna let you know that I'm pretty sure I'm sold on the cruise ship. I'm pretty sure I'm sold on the easy way, the wide way, the popular way. But I'm a curious guy, and 
hey, I don't wanna be accused of not doing my due diligence, so while I'm pretty much set on this, just for fun, let's look at the alternative. Maybe it's even better. Maybe it's even more attractive. Let's read about the second alternative, the lifestyle, the path, the way of living that we can choose from in verse 14. Verse 14, describing the second lifestyle we can choose, and remember, we only have two we can choose from. The second lifestyle, verse 14, has a gate that is narrow, a way that is hard, and those who are on it are few. Now, first impressions, the cruise ships sounded pretty good. Easy, wide, popular. First impression over here, hmm, I don't know, narrow, hard, and unpopular or countercultural, that doesn't sound all that attractive just at first blush. I mean, I don't know who's running the marketing department for this second lifestyle, for the verse 14 lifestyle, but they probably don't wanna lead off with words like hard and narrow and countercultural. I mean, if this first lifestyle that is wide, that is easy, and that is popular is a cruise ship, then I think I know what the second lifestyle is. That lifestyle that's narrow, that's hard, and that's countercultural, it must be a kayak. I mean, first of all, kayaks are certainly narrow. I mean, you can basically fit your body in there, and that's about it. Can't bring any old thing you want on a kayak. There's virtually no storage. There's pretty much only room for you and maybe one or two small items, but there's certainly not the storage and the options and the flexibility that the cruise ship offers. Limitless space for storage. Bring all your things, all your stuff, all your relationships on the cruise ship. But here, if you choose the narrow kayak, there is simply not enough space to bring any old thing and any old relationship that your heart may desire. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, and he says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and he went back and covered it up. And then it says, in his joy, that same man goes and catches this, sells all that he has in order to go back and buy that field. And in the same way, if you're the kind of person that sounds like this is more my speed, I'll opt for the narrow kayak. If you choose the kayak, just know that you're gonna have to leave on the banks, on the shore, all your possessions and any relationship, any person that may interfere with the expedition. Now, to be sure, God is aware of the fact that we have social relational needs as well as material needs. God's well aware of that. In fact, he made us that way. But we need to know what we're signing up for if we sign up for verse 14, this second lifestyle. If you choose the kayak, if you choose the Christian life, you need to be willing to check at the door anything God asks you to check at the door. You are inviting God into your life to have veto power to remove anything that might sabotage your expedition. 
Well, not only are kayaks narrow, they're also in many ways counter-cultural. Kayaks are counter-cultural. Jesus says in verse 14 that this second path, this second lifestyle, it says those who enter by it are few. And I've wondered over the past few weeks, well, Jesus, what do you mean those who enter by the second path, the second lifestyle are few? And I don't think Jesus is implying at some ratio or percentage or something like that, or I don't believe Jesus is saying 99.9999% of humanity chooses a cruise ship, and this really unimportant, insignificant, teeny fraction actually opts for the kayak. That doesn't seem to be able to really line up with other parts of scripture, like say the book of Revelation, where it says those who choose the kayak are so great in number that they can't even be counted. No, Jesus is not saying that this is only a handful of people that choose the second option. What he's really appearing to communicate here is that this second lifestyle is unnatural and it's counter-cultural. Let me explain what I mean. Imagine if all of us flew to Monterey, California this afternoon and we landed there in Monterey, California, right on the Pacific, and I said, hey guys, we're all gonna go to Maui, Hawaii, and you have two options. One option you can choose is a cruise ship with all the drinks and food and luxuries that you could ever conceive of, and you don't need to put in any effort to get to your destination. You just hop in and it coasts there, no paddling required. Or I say, option number two, there's a fleet of kayaks right there in the Pacific, huge fleet of kayaks and one master kayaker who says, if you choose the kayak, I will safely guide you to Maui and you will arrive in that destination. Well, which one of those would be the popular option and which one would be countercultural? To ask that is to answer it, right? The cruise ship would be the popular option and to choose the kayak and to have the faith in that kayak instructor to get you from Monterey to Maui, that would be the countercultural option. And it's the same exact way here in verse 14. This second path, this second lifestyle will always and has always been unnatural and countercultural. And really the reason it's so unnatural and countercultural is the last description we find in verse 14. Matthew chapter seven, verse 14, Jesus says, not only is the kayak narrow, not only is it few who find it, and it's countercultural and unpopular, not only are those true, it's also hard. Do you see that in verse 14? The gate is narrow and the way is hard. The kayak is simply much, much, much more difficult than the cruise ship. The cruise ship, you effortlessly float in the direction of your destination. Not so with the kayak. The kayak is hard and difficult, and the Christian life is difficult as well. Jesus makes this plain in verse 14. He says, if you choose the path of following me, know that you're signing up for something that is hard. Now, a point of clarification. That can be overstated. In fact, I've heard Christians and preachers basically describe the Christian life as nothing but misery, uh, self-denial, discipline, and suffering day in and day out. And if you just happen to grind it out until you die, then one day you go to heaven. That's how some Christians describe the Christian life. Well, not only has that not been my experience, 
or the experience of other mature believers who I know, it's not the full picture the New Testament paints of the Christian life. I mean, Jesus says if you come to him and follow him in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he actually describes it as easy and light. The Apostle John in 1 John says that following Christ's commands is not burdensome. Did you catch that? For the mature Christian, Christ's commands aren't just some buzzkill, endless list of do's and don'ts. They're not burdensome. They're something where we see life and wisdom and gravitate towards them. Or what about even the parable we mentioned in Matthew 13? The man who sold everything that he has in order to get the treasure in the field, it says he does so in his joy. It can be overstated that the Christian life is difficult. The Christian life is made up of suffering and joy mingled together. It can be overstated that the Christian life is hard. But you know what? In the same way it can be overstated, it can also be understated. Jesus says here in verse 14, it is hard. It is difficult. It will require more energy, more effort. You will have to invest your life in this. It is hard. And if you wanna think about the contrast between the two, just take those three examples we used earlier on the cruise ship. On the cruise ship, when it comes to your sexuality, you do whatever you want. Follow whatever impulse is there, irrespective of what it may do to you or to others. In contrast to that, Jesus not only says, if you choose the kayak, I expect you to have control over your physical bodies as it relates to your sexuality. Jesus even goes further than that in Matthew 5 and says, if you choose the kayak, you need to be willing to surrender your thought life as it pertains to your sexuality. In fact, Jesus says, if you look with lust, you've actually committed adultery in your heart. Lust is the acorn that grows into the oak tree of adultery. So which one's easier, doing whatever you want with your sexuality on the cruise ship, or not only being expected to control the way you handle your physical body, but even your thought life? It's much more harder if you decide to hop in a kayak. Or what about what you do with your time and with your money? When you're on the cruise ship, you just do whatever you want. The aim is pleasure and comfort and happiness above all else. So you do with your time and your money whatever you want at that particular moment in time. In contrast, Jesus says also in the Gospel of Matthew, if you choose the kayak, your number one aim in life can no longer be your own happiness and comfort. Sure, I will bring you comfort and joy and contentment as you trust and follow me, but if you choose the kayak, you now make your aim, your trajectory, no longer seeking my own happiness or comfort or pleasure, your trajectory, your aim is seeking first the kingdom of God, and that has unbelievable implications for what we do with our time and money. Or you remember on the cruise ship, when you're dealing with some boredom, or maybe you're feeling the weight of some anxiety or worry, and you don't quite know what to do, so you just have a few drinks. You drink something, you smoke something, you pop something, there's that easy button, you come instantly out from all that mental heaviness and weight by a substance. Well, in contrast to that, in the book of Ephesians, the Holy Spirit tells us if we choose the kayak, 
That is no longer an option. We don't self-medicate away our boredom or our pain with drunkenness. Rather, what we do is realize God calls us to have some level of mental toughness, to acknowledge what we're thinking, feeling, and experiencing, and to bring it to him through prayer, through Bible reading, through worship, through fellowship with others, and allow those to be the means by which he brings tranquility to our minds and joy and laughter to our lives. Jesus wants us to understand with this second path, this second lifestyle, it is hard. Do not fool yourself about this. And if you choose the kayak, you are signing up for the heat of the sun instead of the shade of the patio umbrella by the pool. If you choose the kayak, you are signing up to eat trail mix and drink from a warm canteen instead of bottomless mimosas or Bloody Marys or as much seafood as you might want to consume. If you choose the kayak, here's what you're signing up for. You're signing up for calloused hands, tired arms, and a sore low back instead of effortlessly cruising in some general direction on the Pacific. If you sign up for the kayak, you're volunteering to sleep under the stars at night in an uncomfortable kayak instead of a king-size bed with cute little towel animals folded just so. So the question has to be asked at this point. Who on earth would choose this kayak? I mean, this sounds difficult. This sounds cringy. This sounds unattractive, unreasonable, unrealistic. In fact, even impossible. Who in their right mind would be so stupid and foolish to choose the kayak? This is what we're all attracted to, if we're being honest. This is easy. This has curb appeal. This is what we are drawn to naturally. This is what feels like a good fit for us. Why on earth would anyone be so stupid as to not choose the cruise ship? Well, you see, the cruise ship, I didn't tell you this, but it has just one teeny tiny small problem. We read about that in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says, Hey, I'll admit with the cruise ship, the gate is wide. Hey, I'll confess with the cruise ship, it's an easy lifestyle. I'll acknowledge that. I'll come clean and just let you know that's the reality of it. The gate is wide and the way is easy with the cruise ship. But listen to this. The cruise ship leads to destruction. That cruise ship has a hole in it. And as it sets sail from Monterey, headed to Maui, day after day, as the music pumps and the people party, it's going unnoticed, but it's taking in water. And eventually it will be sunk at the bottom of the Pacific and every single passenger on board will be destroyed. On the other hand, though, remember that fleet of kayakers with that master kayaker that said, follow me and I'll get you to Maui. I will lead you 2,200 miles to paradise. Well, that master kayaker was not only a master kayaker, he was a good teacher and he encouraged and protected and guided and corrected that huge fleet of kayaks until one day they finally made it to Maui to be in paradise forevermore. 
Every single one of us is either in the kayak or on the cruise ship. And I wonder which one you are in today. Is your main pursuit in life that which is easy, comfortable, wide, pleasurable? Is your happiness paramount above everything else in the world? Well, if that's you, I have a word for you today from the Lord Jesus Christ, and it comes straight from his word in Matthew 7, verse 13. If you're currently on the cruise ship, he pleads with you to enter by the narrow gate because the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who find it are many. You see, even now, if you are on that cruise ship, if you turn to Christ and follow him with your life, he's got a kayak set aside for you and he says, hop right in, I will lead you to paradise, but you have to make that decision. Are you in the kayak today or are you in the cruise ship? Let's pray together. Father, statistically speaking, it's virtually certain that there are people hearing this message that are currently on the cruise ship. And the reality is, while it may be hidden from them, they may be unaware, they're on a path to destruction. So God, we pray in this moment through your Holy Spirit that you would convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Show them of both your justice and love and grace displayed through Christ at the cross and help them turn to you, confess their sins, abandon and forsake the cruise ship and hop into the kayak you have for them, Lord. If they do that, we know you will lead them safely to paradise. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.